So, uh, so Stuart, I'm going to ask you some questions about comedy. Mm-hmm. You ready? Mm-hmm. You're super ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. You know, when I started comedy, so I'm going to ask you a question by talking about myself. Um, no, when I started comedy, this was my big research was to listen to your podcast. I didn't know what a podcast was. Um, I, and I got podcasts because of this podcast. So I've thought a lot about you in the years <laughs> since I started comedy. And I've thought a lot about your comedy, but that's not been what I've really been able to access through the podcast. Mm-hmm. The podcast, I get to access a lot of other people's comedy, but not yours. Sure thing. My, quest, my first question for you is... In terms of POV, what people say, POV, your point of view, as a... I'm going to pause you there because something we're doing is creeping I'm, under your seat or the tape. Could you just move around a little bit and we'll start again from the point of, from the thing POV. Just try and wiggling your seat. I'm literally doing nothing. That's way better. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the first question I have for you, Stu, is about POV, point of view. Yes. When I started comedy, I was told, until you have your POV, and then some, there was some like equation, it's eight years plus your mother's date of birth minus your shoe size, whatever, rubbish. Um, until you have your POV, you can't really say that you're doing your best work or that it's truly funny in the way that it's going to be because who are you? What is your POV? So my question to you is, what do you think your POV is? Great question. Um, and I think that's great advice. Where did you get that advice from? Do you remember who said that to you? Uh, there is a uh, there's a woman who, um, very, very funny uh, woman. She's a friend of a friend. And she sort of dabbles in comedy writing. And um, her name is Amanda Baker. Mm-hmm. And she talked to me about it. She that's great. Mentioned that's that great that advice. Um, what is my, is that a question? What is my POV? What is your POV? Well, I definitely think that is something I've struggled with because I think there are, hmm, hmm, I'm going to feel free to cut out all of the, uh, the thinking time. You thought I was going to ask you about the podcast. You have no idea what's coming. <laughs> well, I think I'm establishing a point of view. I certainly, like a, a POV as a, as a comic, because... I certainly know that when I do panel games, panel shows, and have done panel show run-throughs and live ones at Edinburgh and what have you, I haven't really done much on TV, um, I know that there are certain people who find that they have an angle. They, have a, they can always chip in because they always know what's expected of them. And I don't feel like one of those comics. Like if you look at someone like Ed Byrne, you know that Ed Byrne is going to argue. Do you mean he's going to be difficult and argumentative and obstreperous? That's his thing. And if you look at Joe Wilkinson, he's going to be skewed and off the wall mm. and and but in a particular flavour, in a very particular way. Um, and I think that that is a failing of mine, that I might not leave this bit in because I don't want to talk too much about my failings. Um, but I... I... I have recently begun to tap into um, a kind of resentment at the world which feels quite true. Since I became a dad my life is a lot harder and it's been much easier to write comedy because I'm not unhappier, definitely happier, but I've got more to complain about and so I suppose I'm tapping into a sort of a like, uh, like I've got a great lot and I'm not happy with it. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's my POV. Like, I, like P- POV. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my phrase. Um, whereby uh, 
everything's great and it annoys me and I feel hard done by. Mm. And so I feel like I feel hard done by in the show that I'm touring at the moment, end of, I have got material about sort of feeling hard done by, by my own lack of, of direction or my own lack of motivation or my own lack of hard work. And I've got material about feeling hard done by, like feeling sort of cheated by time and the fact that everyone gets older and we, we, we try and give each other <laughs> advice, but the advice is all meaningless by the time we get there. And I suppose I've always, because a big part of my personality is to feel like I don't fit in and I'm not quite right and I, I missed the day at school where they explained how everything works. Mm. I've always felt that. So it's very, I've always found it very hard to take the reins and go, here's what I think and here's why you should listen to it. Because my base, my honest personality under whatever I do on stage is that I, I feel like I might be getting it wrong. And I'm eager to please. And those things aren't great for stand-up comedy. So I feel any time I'm good, it's, it's a triumph against my nature. <laughs> okay, well... And that is a muddy answer. That, it and is, the muddiness I mean, of that answer illustrates that I don't have a simple POV. I can't say, oh, you know, it's Goldsmith. He's the guy that... Okay, good. Well, then imagine that there's a magic genie in the room. And whatever POV you think you'd like to have, you could have. What's the POV you'd want? Um, knowing yourself and knowing the kind of comedy you do, and perhaps the kind of comedy you enjoy or you hope to do, what is the POV you would like? Well, I, I, I know better than to ask a genie for anything, let alone a magic one, Cindy. Um, but I... <laughs> I like the richness in what I do. It doesn't boil down neatly to a POV. I really enjoy the work that I do. It isn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have the most clarity and simplicity. I don't mean simplicity, I don't mean that in a negative kind of way, but I like that it's a big bag of stuff. Yeah, okay, so you... But, but I, I, I do think that that advice is... is good advice. I just, I don't like when people go, you, you can't call yourself a comic unless exactly. X, Y, Z. Right. Um, but I do think that will help a lot of comics to try and find that. And I do think I have been trying to find that. It would be easy now to kind of go, well, I've never found it. And that's why I'm not a massive TV superstar. But the thing is, maybe your POV is that... I like the richness. I like the complexity. I had some really good... I'd never do uh, political material on stage. I had a particularly wonderful preview in, uh, like a second half of a tour show previewing new stuff where I tried to talk on stage about the fact that I'm kind of befuddled by politics and I can't keep I can't keep my I can't keep the names in my head <laughs> I can't keep the names in my head I can't keep the roles within the cabinet in my head for long enough and then as soon as I learn them they've changed and I don't mean to be apolitical I'm kind of proto-political I just can't keep up and I'm scared of losing an argument where I think I'm right I'm just not as good as arguing <laughs> as someone else and that really felt like oh I've just said a lot of honest stuff and it went really well that bit because yes. a lot of people went oh I'm like that yeah. so I felt for the for the first time re-politics I was kind of I had the right to talk about a thing rather than feeling like oh if I talk about this I'm going to start arguments I can't finish and I'm going to sort of admit to I'm going to have to confess to a lack of research 
What if one of your kids wanted to do stand-up? That, uh, a listener asked that question, and uh, we won't credit them because I don't have the list on me. And Good. also, it was because it was your original question. Yes. But um, what would I say if uh, one of my... I would completely support them. I would completely support them. But I mean, I would, by the time they're old enough to do stand-up, it won't be a viable job anymore. But I will certainly tell them, yeah, if you become a plumber first, by all means. There you go. If you become a plumber first... No, I don't mean first. I mean concurrently. Yeah, that's like, what I mean. Stand-up isn't going to pay your bills. Thank you. In the, in the future. Thank you. It's already not. If you look at that Facebook group, of all of which I'm sure you have no need to be in, of all the pro comics, over the next two weeks, there's like a list of... Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm available. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm suddenly free on Friday after a cancellation. Yeah. And I'm on that list from time to time. But the, the quality of comedians on that list is horrifying. Then you can look down that list and go, wow, there are 30 people I'd pay to see right now. And they're not busy this weekend. And this is the, it's the middle of the end of comedy as we know yeah. it. Now, of course, other things will be happening. God, I, I, you know, Netflix, it, it, Amazon, Hulu, all that jazz. And all the YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, and whatever those things become. Um, I would be less enthusiastic about my son saying, Dad, I want to become a, an influencer or a YouTuber or oh. something like that. You know, but, that, but that is the equivalent, isn't it? That's the equivalent of me saying to my parents, I'm going to become a street performer. Yeah. Like, what? You know, they, yeah. I would have exactly the same reaction. Same you know, reaction. Kind of a parallel reaction. But I appreciate that you wanted them to do plumbing or something concrete that would feed them. Yes, but, yes. I, would, but I wouldn't force them to go down that route. I, all you can do, John Lloyd said this on the podcast, all you can do, is, a kid will decide they're excited about a thing and all you can do is support them and help them do that. A Western kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a kid that you're not allowed to slap. <laughs> uh, you know, you, why do you always bring it back to slapping? Because you you mind slapping all the time. Mind slapping, but it's, it's a metaphoric slap. Oh, is it? Okay. Sometimes it's just guilting them. Yes, in, fine. In, you know, and, fine. and saying you bring shame on the family, this, that. You don't have to hit them. <laughs> you just have to psych them. It's like a the psychic day. slap, a soul such slap. A, such a soul slap. Okay, so, you know, there's so many things about... Um, Comedy in general, I want to ask you, but I want to ask you uh, something very much more specific. When you now think of write, or when you write a show, when you go and do material, you know you've got quite a profile. You, 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 and you're funny. So there's a way in which you can come onto stage and you could do 20 minutes and it would work, and you know that already. Mm -hmm. How do you? make it challenging or do you just go on and say right I'm going to do a good 20 minutes or does it depend on the gig how do I make it challenging that's an interesting idea how do I what do you mean in a, in a club on a Friday night yeah. what do you mean in my talk show in your club in if you either tell me both well I think a club is always challenging yeah, because sure. they're not there to see you so you always have to win them over and then the cha the challenges are win them over and get them on side and then the next challenge is surprise them by making them like a thing that, that there's a good chance they won't like. You know, mm -hmm. like, like uh, convert them into making them go, oh, that, he did a thing, like, you know, and I've got this bit at the moment, the, the Shackleton bit, if you've seen me recently, um, <laughs> which is less dry than that sounds. But it's, you know, it's a, it's a, a build-up to one big idea, and the build-up isn't that funny. I mean, it's, it's only not funny for, like, one minute, but that's a long time on a Friday night, you know. And, um, and so I always try to do that bit because that's a bit where I have to bend them to my will. Right, you know? right, right. Let's say, invite them in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to my will. No, I like um, bend them to my will. You know, it's yeah. my kind of phrase. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so 
So those are the challenges of, of right. that environment. Now, because I haven't been writing a new show this year, I've had a, a year off, um, I have, for the first time in years, been turning up to gigs on a Friday night and just doing whatever the hell I want. I mean, in the last couple of months, I've started to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work up a beginning and an end to this Edinburgh show because it's, it's a work in progress, but I'd like to know that it's going to start yeah. and end well. Um, but, and I'm hoping that I can drop both of those bits because they are a bit clubby before they become a show. But I have, other than that, I've been really embracing going into a club and just picking from the best of the last 15 years, you know? Right, right. Um, oh, yeah. Which is, realistically, it's the best of the last four years and then two old bits that I probably shouldn't do anymore, but I like them. But and it, it is lovely having enough gear now that I can rotate bits in. I can... M- m- the most fun I have in a club, really, is, is just free-falling knowing that I've got something about something. Yeah, something yeah, will yeah, come yeah. to me. I plan things and I go on and I don't do the plan and I, I get off down an alley and I go, oh, I've, I've got a joke about tattoos. And then, and and then I, I often can't remember the joke about tattoos, but I remember the shape of it and I have to kind of, you know, yeah. sort of play around with it, ibosh it out somehow, which is, um, uh, yeah, was that the question? Yes, the question? and then how do you keep it challenging when you do your show? You're on the road and you're, uh, you know, doing Well, I do try to, the nick this off Hannibal Buress, which is... Um, Hannibal Burris, yeah. uh, which is uh, to change little details of the thing you're doing. Like if there's a number, change the number, and if ah. there's an animal, change the animal, stuff like that. Um, and uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that would to, make me forget the whole bloody routine. Well, that's it. That and I, I my, in in the way I see stand up, I just that means that the routine is problematic. If a word is going is going to trip you up, because you should be. We aspire to. Yeah. I aspire to doing stuff that is so inherently funny that the words don't matter. Now, I, yeah, I that is once I you're you. good enough to choose the right specific word, yeah. the next game is to be funny enough that the specific word doesn't matter. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking more like I had an argument with my husband, then I can't be like I had an argument with my plumber. And that husband has to be the specific thing. Oh, sure, thing. sure, sure, sure. But if you called him a fucking tool, you could change it to oh. a shitting bellend, for example, you know what I mean? like, <laughs> just to, to trip you up in the moment, because it's not the, oh, the words that are funny, it's the... the, the, the the, 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 the emotion and the 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 emotion exploding at a particular moment and the like I Stuart Lee talk about how German is it him talking about how everyone thinks the Germans haven't got a sense of humour but it's completely wrong they've got a brilliant sense of humour because they don't do wordplay it has to be situationally funny yeah yeah that's the hardest thing to write yeah. so so aiming for that kind of stuff so so that in the prepared bit but when I tour as I always bang on about the second half of the tour is all new material and yes. that and I have to so I have to close the show on something that is within the oh god thing. close it mm. you don't mm. know I open I know everyone does everyone does I do the goldsmith patented reverse uh, preview technique Jesus. and uh, that is hugely challenging and really fun and is almost always better than the first half and uh, which is which is the thing I've worked which on. Which is a whole better because I'm more loose, more natural, more playful, and interrupting myself. And you get more out of it. Yeah. So, twenty years from now, twenty-five years from now, when you are being interviewed because you're famous and super famous, super super famous, and you're super super famous because of the podcast, and no one asks you about your stand-up, how are you going to feel? No different. <laughs> um, how am I going to feel? Like, I'll be like thrilled that I did a thing. You're on Jimmy was... Fallon because of your podcast. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I sh- sure. Um, I. 
Like literally, you are on Jimmy Fallon. So when I say interviewed, let me be very clear for those of you who are listening. 25 years from now, you're being interviewed. You're on Jimmy Fallon. You're... There's an SNL sketch about your comedy. <laughs> <on. laughs> that's nice. That's a nicely concrete thing. Yeah, good at there's, there's Jimmy Fallon. There's that. You've done Graham Norton. You've done Jonathan Ross. You've done all that. And it's all about ComComPod. There's not a single thing in there about your stand-up. How are you going to feel? Well, I still feel pretty good. You know, I'll be in, I'll be in, in the back of my mind, I'll be slightly annoyed. But <laughs> um, do you know what? You, you gotta, you got to be happy for the, like, you know, That'll be great. That'll be great. If if Concord is becomes even bigger and even more useful, that's fantastic. That's great, man. Like, you know, no one sends me an email saying your stand-up changed my life. No one. Someone tweeted at me the other day. You know, I've got this, this thing. It might have come up before. Um, I, I saw a, a band called The Mountain Goats, and the lead singer, John Darnell, on stage is cool as fuck because he is himself 100%. He's right. just one of those people. He looks like a geography teacher with a <laughs> blazer with leather arm, you know, leather elbow patches on it. But, I mean, he's an absolute genius, highly skilled, very gifted songwriter. And, you know, bard of the human condition. Bard is a terrible word. But, you know, he really says stuff that speaks to me. And I was saw I saw one of his uh, live shows, I was at one of his live shows, and someone shouted in a lull, someone shouted, you, you know, I don't mean a lull, a gap. Someone shouted, you saved my life. And John Dyer has obviously had, he had an answer for this, because it obviously happens to him. And he said, no, I didn't. You saved your life. I was just what you were listening to when you did it. And someone tweeted at me the other day and said, uh, at ComComPod is what uh, I, I'm saving my life and at ComComPod is what I'm listening to while I'm doing it and I'm like yep great absolutely fucking great that's I'm happy for people to listen to the show whilst saving their own lives that yes is a, that's, that's a niche that's a niche and that's a big success that's a big success so here's a question from Mike Milling what was it like doing that reality TV talent show many years ago on ITV? Any regrets? I think someone else asked another question about that, and they also said, did the right person win? So I will answer both questions together. Right. It was called Show Me the Funny. Mm -hmm. It was in 2011, and the right the person that won was Patrick Monaghan. Do you know anything about it? It was I, not on your radar at all. It was not. I hadn't started comedy. It was so. not a big success. I had not started um, comedy, so literally... Sure, sure, sure. Okay, but I know so, Patrick Monaghan, uh, and I know you. Ignacio Lopez, Prince Abdi, Rudy Liquid, me, Tiffany Stevenson, Dan Mitchell, Patrick Monaghan, I feel terrible, of Alfie Moore, Ellie Taylor, and there were probably ten of us. Cole Parker! There okay. we go! Yay. Yay. There we go, okay. Cole, bless him. Um, so we all did this thing, and it was pitched to us as if it was going to be um, MasterChef for comedians. But really what they were trying to do was Pop Idol. You know, oh, so I see. they were seeing it. Can can this format work? So they put us the pitches. They put us in different environments. So you go week one. You go to this place, and you all have to live and work with these people in this mystery place. You don't know what it is, and then you have to write jokes about them and deliver those jokes to them on the <laughs> middle night. And I was like, great, we're going to be in a submarine, and we weren't. It was like day one, Liverpool. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then you didn't get to write jokes because you would be. You, you, they would be reshooting you arriving in a cab, and then now let's take that again, and you know, right. and and I'd be vibrating with anxiety and tension, going, I've got to write joke. There were like ten million people going to watch this. I've got to write new material for ten million people, and most of us wrote new material based on the thing. Some of us 
chucked in old bits that we had on the subject and it was made clear to us on day one that if we wanted to do that well you're not really allowed but we can't stop you (laughs) because you know so a lot of it it was an ITV1 reality show observational documentary they call it that's what they call reality shows and it did not suit me at all Patrick Monaghan won it he was exactly the right person. To Did he just wing it like he does? He winged it every and single time. And he's so time. funny. He was so funny. And then the big final where you had to do like proper scripted stuff, yeah. he'd saved all of his best you know, best of material from the last 15 years. He hadn't <laughs> used anything because he just winged every gig. He would go on with a bit of paper, he'd written some ideas and he'd just throw it out the window, walk on and go, Way! and do crowd work. And he was fantastic. And my favourite story from the whole thing is that one time we were on our way, we never knew where we were going. They'd put us oh, all on a train. God. And we'd be like, oh, we're going to a new place. And it, that ended up being one of the really good ones. I really enjoyed it. It was difficult, but we trained with the Scots Guard in uh, Catrick in North uh-huh. Yorkshire. We took a bunch of 16-year-old squaddies. It was amazing. Good God. On the train on the way there, Patrick Monaghan organised a sing-along with all the passengers <laughs> on the rest of the, the train, the, the rest of the carriage. There were no cameras on us. It wasn't part of the show. But he just, you just get the impression that whenever Monaghan's on a train, he just organises a sing-along. He's incredible. He was the right person to win. But I've always thought, and I'm, I'm sure I'd, I'd absolutely say this to his face, he should be running up and down big steps. He should be running up and down big steps on a game show. He's perfect. He's People so fall in love with him. His energy's incredible. And he should be the new Barrymore or whoever it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's absolutely the right person to win it. And I'm sure he'll probably have bought his mum a house with the huge prize money. Oh, good. Um, what a nice So son. he'll have done the right thing with the money. He was absolutely the right person to win. The other finalists were Dan Mitchell and Tiff, mm-hmm. um, who I think did, there was like a mini tour, I believe, afterwards. Right, I, didn't, right, right. I didn't make the final. But I think of everyone, Ellie Taylor has gone on to the most success thus far. But it is a... It's a long thing, and maybe it's even a wheel and a cycle, and who knows what will happen. But the big reason I don't regret it, even though it probably set my mental health back about three years... Can we stop a sec? Why were you not suited to it? Why was I? Not suited to it. You said I was not suited to it. Oh, because um, it's sort of, it was really shiny floor ITV bullshit. And but it, you're very handsome. The handsome people, I mean, good-looking people go very far on TV. It's not, it's not me. They can't hear you if your hands over your mouth. It's not me. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Mum. It, that thing isn't me. That thing strikes to the heart of what we talked about earlier, about um, I would rather do the right thing, do the right thing by the people in my material, than be constantly hilarious. I would ra- it's All more right. important to me... To, to be honest, to be finding some, like, what is this thing is about honesty? That's more important to me than throwing that out the window and going, joke, 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 boom. Right. And it, I, I'd have done much better if I did that. There was also, they were trying to, in a kind of back room way, they were trying to convince me to do a particular bit of material, and I didn't want to do it, because I was like, that's my big closer at the moment, and I'm really sort of working through it, and I don't want to give it to this TV show, because you're not really paying for it. Yeah, so they yeah, were yeah. sort of gently putting pressure on me to do a particular bit that they would then own, and I wouldn't be able to use again. And I was like, that's not the deal. You know, it's the, like comedy competition. I hate competitions. This was a big competition that I had gone into with my eyes open, although they'd lied about a lot of stuff. Um, and... Uh, I wasn't willing, like day one, I was like, right, you know, to the other comics, we didn't know who else was on the show, so we met on day one, and, um, and I remember thinking, guys, you know, this is all, I think I said, you know, this is reality TV, right, so they're going to try and shaft us, and we all just have to stick together, get our heads down, do uh, uh. you know, and everyone else looked at me like, why are you being so cynical? I thought, oh God, this is going to be a disaster! <laughs> um, so, the, the fact that we were constantly 
interviewed about nothing. Like, I thought it was about writing. It was about creativity. Oh, took, These yeah. comedians are, ITV, what was I thinking? But we were interviewed badly, not badly, you know, we were interviewed well for a reality show about the, you know, it was like Love Island. It was like, yeah. oh, you know, each question would be like, oh, so you must be, you must consider Dan a threat this week. And you'd be like, no, no. that's my friend. Well, you know, I could, I could, <laughs> they say, How, how's it going? And I go, well, it's really boring and frustrating having to do all these interviews when I should be writing jokes. And they go, well, we can't use that. And I'm like, no, a problem. So... Because you are the that, worst reality I, uh, I, I shouldn't have been there and I should have walked away and my brother said you can't walk away because if you do walk away they'll film it and they'll put Coldplay over the top of it um, <laughs> absolutely right but but it was a big I realised now didn't realise at the time it was a big reason why I started doing the podcast because I was so infuriated that they had all of these incredibly oh. creative people in a room and they weren't asking not just the right questions, they weren't asking any real questions. So, because on the podcast, you don't ask people, so how do you feel about so-and-so doing better than you this week? Yeah, well, I did, if, it, if someone appears to have an issue with... No, but you, it's not like know, a love island. driven by revenge, yeah. then I'll try and dig into that. But no, it's a real interview about real things. Yeah. It's deliberately weighty, and that I'm certain, I'm certain that is in part a reaction to that process being the opposite of, of what I want. And look at compound. So all's well that ends? Well. Nothing ends. It is a cycle. It is a cycle. Thank you. That's right. Time is so. I think we answered the question very well. We did. It was a good. And answer. I and I learned a lot. I had no idea this thing had ever existed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I hadn't yeah. started comedy. You know me. I was like, I only opened my mind sure. when I started. I mean, to be fair to you as well, it didn't make a huge impact. <laughs> you know, like the the experiment to determine whether you could do pop idol with comics was a success in that they it received excellent data, and the data was this is not possible. This is not possible. So here's a question from Barney Green, and even though, Stuart, you know English is my first language, I cannot understand this question at all. Go ahead. Uh, in, it's meaningless to me, this question. Did you hang out at the castle when you were in Totnes? In Totnes? Uh, yes, what I did. What is this? Who is Totnes this? is the, uh, the town, uh -huh. hamlet, in which, uh, near which I went to college. I did a, a degree in devised theatre. Me neither. And uh, I, there was a pub there called The Castle, and I definitely drank booze in it with my ragtag bunch of uh, arty... What, I mean, what were they? <laughs> what were we? <laughs> motley were, crew. Like a... So fucking motley. Um, <laughs> yes, Ninja Chris and Dogger and Lee and Quang and uh, Dave Llewellyn and Edwards and all those, all those kind of people who thought that they were, who, who were in the soup of, wow, we're learning to be artists, oh. but the medium is not specified. <laughs> and there's some incredible magic mushrooms in this town. And, uh, you know, just literally growing, not in the town, in the fields. And uh, we're just kind of lost in this primordial soup for three <laughs> years. And occasionally, let's go and have a, have a pint in the castle and smoke, wow, the castle and smoke sounds, The castle sounds exciting. So, and, and so basically, Barney Green, if that question is intended to mean, hey, was that Stu that I remember from all those years ago? Yeah, it was me, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Sorry if I said anything confusing to you whilst sweating. Do you, so Dave Duke is asking, do you enjoy making other comedians cry? And if not, why do you do it? <laughs> um, it? It's hard to identify from that question written down, the tone in which it's being asked. Exactly, so um, I put my own tone in. Sure, yeah. sure. Do I enjoy it? 
No, I don't like to make people cry. Do I recognise that often it's the expression of someone realising something or opening up? Yes. Does that tend to mean I've done a good job? In most cases. I don't do it deliberately, but I am trying to get people to open up deliberately, and I do enjoy it when it works. So that's, that's probably my answer. I mean, there, there, aren't, there aren't often tears, and um, there are one or two cases where I've... I don't want to say I'm callous. I don't know that there's much more to say about that. I just could, could do with finding a, a quick end to it that was funny. But uh, <laughs> I, think, I think one of the things about it is that crying is a form of expression. And if, you know, you're, when people are... Exp- this, this Western notion of crying being negative. Mm. I, for me, crying is very, very positive. It's a very positive thing. You release cortisol. It's a stress and hormone. You get rid of it when you cry. It's great. You're such a scientist. But also, apart from the cortisol release... <laughs> I've done a lot of release, therapy. <laughs> apart from the cortisol release, you know, I think... The, well, you can answer the question, but the, problem, the, the issue with that question is that, yes, I don't enjoy it, but when it happens, it means that the, that the alchemy is working because I'm doing an interview. Thank you very much. That's so, what I... You know, that's that's what I mean. So, (laughs) but I don't want to answer the question for you, but that's what I feel. You know, I don't know. I answered the question. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have answered it. What's Indu said? No, stop it. That's all show title. No, no, no. Yeah, what's Indu (laughs) said? What's Indu said? Uh, No, but also then, why do you do it? If you don't enjoy it, why do you do it? Well, because um, uh, I don't. I don't ever try to make people cry. I try to in my. arrogant way I try to help people confront the things that they're trying not to confront yeah yeah which is what you did to me when you were like, talking to me about ideas of success and stuff and Sarah Millican does it to me a bit on the one of these that we yeah you know I'm so, sad I didn't make you cry though I wish I had I did I nearly did at one point when I was talking about off. my mother uh, no no it wasn't oh really no, 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 oh let's no. go back we're, no, we're, no, we're, too late. please no, I beg you that's the magic of Comcom. the moment is is, is gone. By the way, if I had a podcast, I would be seeking to make people cry. Because A, it would make the podcast so much more interesting. Because people are like, have you heard that well, podcast? Well, let me remind you that you and I have a podcast. And the... Well, get ready to weep. Listen, we've established with the, with the producer, promoter, I don't know how it works, the... The, the uh, industry. The, host, the industry. The industry um, we've established that we're allowed to take risks and experiment, so, so we could do... Bring your Kleenex, buddy. Stu and Sindhu try and make people cry. No, Stu... First of all, Sindhu makes Stuart cry. <laughs> we can, I mean, I, there's got to be Because you already think I'm scary. On. Well, there's... Which I'm not. I'm so not scary. You, I think you have... You are very comfortable in your authority. <laughs> <laughs> um... I, uh, we can decide what to call our podcast. I think some version of Good Cop, Bad Cop is funny. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I, I think we should call it... Well, what we're, Let's go to Why are we talk about killing it. these people who are listening to this? Okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Why are we killing these people? I mean, this po- whoever's killing. listening to this, why are we yeah, killing yeah, yeah, them no, no, with no, no. our no one's endless bants? Amazing. Endless, oh. endless bants. Um. Hmm. <laughs> mm. Bonus content. The yes. noises of Sidhu <laughs> discounting <laughs> listener questions.